Uh, it's just a great joy for me to introduce to, to us tonight, for those of you who have never heard or met him, Pastor Andrew Kabbalah. Uh, Pastor Andrew is one of the world's foremost healing evangelists. He carries God's power in a way that releases healing into lives and has been doing it for decades, seeing phenomenal miracles all around the world. Uh, when we say evangelist, what that means is he, he, he introduces people to Jesus Christ and preaching the message of Jesus Christ in a way that helps people who have been separated from God come into a relationship with Him. And he's traveled the world seeing Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people come to Christ everywhere he goes. He and his wife, uh, Janine, have been part of our, our C3 tribe for the last 10 years and before that, friends of C3. And uh, just last year, Andrew and Janine planted a church in the Gong, in Wollongong. Uh, and so they're already up and running and uh, going so strong for a church plant. And uh, we're, we're excited about what God's going to do in Wollongong and beyond out of Wollongong. But church tonight, uh, I just want, us to open our hearts to receive Andrew as a as a man of God with the gift of healing and evangelism with faith in our heart looking to Christ to move through his representative here to us put our hands together with a great C3 powerhouse welcome Andrew Kabbalah come on that's enough for me let's tell Jesus how much we love him come on C3 powerhouse isn't he good isn't he kind come on let's give it up for the Lord tonight oh he's good amen I'm telling you I can feel the presence of God here come on why don't we just lift our hands as I said this morning I love that psalm that says I lifted up my eyes to the to the mountains to God because this is where my help comes from it comes from the maker of heaven and earth and I love that the psalmist would write when he was stuck when he was in a hard place that he would lift up his eyes to the Lord to the mountains knowing that this is where his help's going to come from friend I can tell you that even now some of you are in situations where the doctors can no longer help, where counseling can no longer help. You actually need a miracle. And last time I checked, they came from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And that means that nothing is impossible for God. So come on, lift your hands just one more time. And let's just call down the fire of God and believe that something is about to shift in this place. Let's believe again that God is the God of the miracles, that nothing is impossible. When He spoke the Word into creation, it became real in the name of Jesus. God, we love You. We believe that today something is going to shift over the atmosphere of these people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Let's give God a big shout if you believe it. Isn't he good? Mm. Amen. All right, have a seat and just turn to somebody and say, I can feel the anointing already. Just say that. Worship team, thank you so much. I'll just get you back it's just real soon. Well, I am so excited to be here on the miracle night of powerhouse and uh, if I heard correctly it's one of your first miracle nights and uh, there's something special about the first because I like to think that God would lay a platform for us 
And it is true that actually not only Australia, but the world would be looking at this church as a model house to see that God is faithful and true to his word. And there would be few churches actually in the world today that would set a weekend away that would concentrate on miracles. And I honor your pastors for doing that. And when Pastor John said, you know what, not only this weekend, but from now on, once a month. And when he said that, I'm telling you, I felt like a tingling sensation going down my my spine thinking that's confirmation because I've prophesied in this church where I have said and there will be aeroplanes flying in to 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 see the move of God that is going to happen in this church this is the day that the Lord has made you're going to rejoice and be glad in it as ambulances come with their with their sick and the people who said it's impossible impossible for that person to be healed and God's going to raise them up in this hour I'm believing that the greatest days for powerhouse church is just ahead of us and I honor your pastors for their faith and their belief not shrinking back for the miraculous but pushing forward saying it's unacceptable we're going to stretch and we're going to believe God for miracles oh come on can you honor your wonderful pastors thank you for believing God thank you for stretching thank you for putting a stake in the ground come on somebody Come on, honor your pastors and thank them for their faith and their belief. You know, it's true that when I was diagnosed with leukemia and and there was a, a very big moment in my life, you know, religion offered me, you know, food. They, people were very kind and brought food. And, and, and that was nice and we needed that and the family had care packages and people sent nice notes but I thank God that there was a church who believed that something could shift for me and that God would heal me because religion can offer hospitality but they can't offer power and I thank God we've got a church in the Sunshine Coast that's waving the flag saying God's still real He's still healing. He's still doing miracles. How exciting is that? What a great, great church you have. Come on, one more time. Give a big shout and a praise. Once a month, shut the gate. That's what I'm going to be doing. I want to talk just really uh, specifically. I felt like God gave me a, 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 like a direction for my testimony about, the, about the, the, how God has given me a second chance. A second chance. And I believe that today, some of you here need a second chance in your life. Maybe it's to do with healing. Maybe it's to do with your lifestyle. I'm not sure what it is. But you see, I was the youngest of eight in my family, brought up in New Zealand, right at the bottom of New Zealand. As I said, it's very, very cold in New Zealand. And I think that's why there's so many children uh, are produced because of all the cuddling that happens. And um, and, and, and it was exciting. I was brought up in a Catholic background. And, and to be honest, and when I say that, I, I am grateful for my church upbringing. Because for, for actual real, I knew that God was real at a very young age. My parents would say that when I was playing in the sandpit, that I would be praying to God. My, my parents would talk to me even now how I would have angels around me and I would be talking to the angels. And, and this is like when I was like four and five years old. 
So an awareness of God was certainly a part of my life. When I was 12 years old, I went and made an appointment to the Catholic church, the priest in my school, and I told the priest I wanted to be a priest. And he said to me, Andrew, that's a very nice thing to say, but he said, you are meant to be married. And he said, you're going to have to find another way. I was devastated because I knew a calling on my life, a pulling, a drawing to God. At the age of 13, I was diagnosed with leukemia. It's a long story how that came about. But basically, we were on holiday and I was fainting and, and uh, uh, um, some like a infection had taken over my body and I was in an ambulance going to Wellington Hospital and I was thinking it was pretty cool because the, you know, the sirens were going and were going through red lights, not knowing the enormity of the, of the, of the situation, fighting for my life because of this infection. The infection went down to a, a, little, uh, a little bit and they were able to fly me closer to home to Invercargill Hospital where I was in an isolation unit where nobody could uh, hear in or out. It was a sterile environment so that uh, you didn't get sick again, you know what I mean? And everything was wiped down with alcohol. Mum and dad looked like Star Wars creatures. They were all masked and gowned and with boots and gloves and stuff like that so that, you know, I couldn't get sick. And after about uh, six weeks of chemotherapy and I started losing my hair and vomiting every day, in the middle of the night I woke up and I was pretty upset, I was pretty shaken by God. And you know, sometimes when life throws us curveball, we blame God. When, when divorce happens or sickness happens or we get a parking ticket, often God gets the blame. Come on, somebody. He can get the blame for all sorts of things. And I remember yelling at God and I said, God, I hate you. What have you done? Why am I dying? And I remember screaming with passion and saying, God, this is unfair. All I've done is steal 50 cents. That's like the worst thing I could think of and swear a few times. And now you're killing me. And I remembered in a Sunday school song about a God that would open blind eyes and deaf people would hear. I remembered a song that talked about how God would have the world in his hands. And I remember as a 13-year-old boy knowing nothing about what I was about to pray, lifting my hands in my hospital bed. And I said, God, if you, were, if you can heal the sick, blind people can see and deaf people can hear. If you are big enough to hold the whole world in your hands, then you can heal me. And I said, God, I won't sleep around like my brothers sleep around. I won't drink and get drunk like they do. And God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. Wherever you send me, I will go. And whatever you ask me to say, I will say it. Have you ever made a promise to God? Come on, somebody. Saying, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And then he does it. And then you go, mm-mm. Come on. In New Zealand, it's very cold. Not like the Sunshine Coast. Like nothing like the Sunshine Coast. It can get to minus 10 degrees. In my world, I remember playing cricket or rugby with my friends and then sometimes even late into the night. It would be freezing cold, but you don't care when you're young. And then you'd come home and you'd have supper and you'd put your jam jams on and your mum would have turned their electric blanket on to three. Do you even know what an electric blanket is? It's a, a device that heats your bed. And as you hop into that, it's freezing everywhere else, but when you hop in, 
it's the greatest feeling in the world. Because it's just like, ah, uh, it's like in, and you're in. And when I prayed that prayer, friend, the only way I can explain it is like a warm blanket just covered me. I remember weeping, 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 knowing that something had happened, but I had nobody to explain to me what had happened. You know, it was within another couple of months and they found out, they, they said that I was in remission, which means they can't find any cancer in your body. I had two weeks of radiotherapy. It's, it's a long story, but enough to say that I was well enough kind of to go in and out of hospitals and go back to even school after a year. I still had no hair and I was very thin. Do you know, when you're at school and there's somebody who's sick, often they get teased. But if you're dying sick, you don't get teased because it's awkward, isn't it? It's like, like if you're a little bit sick, it's, but if you're dying, it's like, just leave the guy alone, you know, he's dying. So it's kind of like, you know, what are you doing? So, you know, it's kind of, that's how it kind of works. I remember I was actually a pretty good kid. That's what I would have thought. You know, just growing up, just normal life, everything like that, and, and not, not trying to be naughty. But there was this one day when the school bell rang for interval for lunch, and I had my little cap on, little just baseball cap, because I had no hair. And as I walked out into the hallway, one of the teachers grabbed my cap and took it off me. And he said, no caps in school. And I had no hair. And uh, one of the, my friends, a friend, came over and said, sir, sir, uh, Andrew's allowed a hat, he's, he's, he's sick. And the teacher was really embarrassed and said, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, I put it on. But I remember making a vow to myself. Do you, remember, do you remember a moment in your life where you made the wrong decision? Do you, do you remember when you were like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna put a mask, there's hurt around my life now, so I'm gonna change. And truly, I remember like, like, like I was just yesterday, I thought, no, from now on, I'm gonna dress all in black. And, um, and so, you know, here I am like, you know, 14, 14 and a half years old, and I started dressing just in black. And I had a black trench coat, I got it from the Salvation Army shop. And, uh, and I just started getting whiskers, John. And so I got my sister's toilet brush thing, what do you call that? Um, Mascara, and I put, put the trying to because I'm trying to be all that, you know, like I'm. And I had a little black beanie rather than a cap because I was gangster now. I was gangster, and uh, you know, when I was 15 years old, I was smoking drugs with two of my school teachers, drinking on on lots of weekends. I made a choice, and some of you have made a choice, and it's the wrong choice. You've just gone down the wrong direction. You made a vow. You made a promise to yourself to, to, do, to do it. But I was at school and I, I, was, I became the naughty kid and just would just, you know, hassle everybody and I had a little gang, a little few buddies and we'd go and beat up people while I'd go tell them and, you know, watch. And um, this, this girl, I really liked this girl. She had like dark hair and long hair. Her name was Lisa and I really, really liked her. 
And, uh, and like, I would skip most of school, but I'd go to geography every week because that's where she was. And I was sitting beside her. And I'd ask her out every day, would you go out with me, go out with me, go out with me, go out with me. And she'd say, no, 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 no. And she'd go home and tell her mum. And her mum said, ask him to youth group. She was a Christian. And she was like, you don't understand. He's unsavable. He's not coming. It's like, this is the naughtiest kid in the school. And she said, but her mum just kept on it. How good's a mum sometimes? And so this girl said to me, Andrew, uh, like, you know, um, I want to talk to you after school. And I was like, finally, you know, she's come to her senses. Hallelujah. And, um, and she said, you know, I want to ask you an important question. And I'm thinking she's asking me out on a date. So that was my total expectation. And we're meeting at the bike sheds. And Pastor John, you know, if you meet at the bike sheds, hello, you're going to get some sugar for sure. Something good was going to happen. And, to, and, and it would have been my very first kiss at the age of 15. So do you remember those little um, spray things? The mint thing? They had just come out. So there was just brand new. So I went to the corner shop and brought a whole can. When the bell rang at three o'clock, I deposited the whole can in my mouth. I could hardly speak because of the, like, the acid that was in my mouth. But... <laughs> I was fresh and um, ready. It was a windy day. I remember that windy day and she was standing there and the wish, and her hair was long and luscious and I was walking up to her. I had my little cool walk happening and, um, and I had my moustache and I had the toilet brush and I was ready for action. And I came up to her and she's kind of talking in a sexy voice as well. Hi. Well, that's how I remember it. And... Um, <laughs> She said, you know, uh, Andrew, I'm just, I'm just wondering if you want to come to a youth group with me. And I said, yeah, 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 what's youth group? And, uh, and she said, um, well, young people, you know, some young people get together on a Friday night and talk about stuff. And I said, babe, it's on. And, uh, oh, it's on like Donkey Kong, all right, baby. And so I was like, yeah, 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 that's good. So I remember going home and I was pumped. And I told dad I got my first date. And he was like, so, you know, we're like happy to each other. And he gave me the keys to the sports car. And I was like, man, this is so awesome. Opened the car door for her when I picked her up. Uh, uh, you know, because when you're in New Zealand, back in a day, back in a day, when you're 15, you got your full license. Unrestricted. 15, unrestricted, all passengers, 24-7, day and night, doesn't matter. And I was the only person in my year to have a car with a full license. It changed a month later. How good was that? <laughs> when I walked into that room, listen, it was amazing. There were three more attractive girls than her at this youth group. I don't care what they talked about. Like, I could have been a Buddhist. Like, I was like, I just like them. Muhammad or whatever. I was like, wow, how good. And they were so nice to me. And then the, then the youth pastor, after about six weeks, he says, Andrew, do you want to become a Christian? I was like, oh, not really. He says, why not? And I said, well, I am. I said, I go to mass every day. It's like compulsory fun to go to church in my house. And he said, well, just because you go to McDonald's every day doesn't make you a hamburger. Just because you go to mass, just because you walk in the door, just because you're a good person doesn't make you a Christian. I was like, what? You know, like, I didn't really agree with that. And he said, well, Andrew, how would you go with the Ten Commandments? I said, real good. 
He said, well, how do you, oh, I'm thinking I'm going to score an eight or a nine out of 10. Like I, I haven't murdered anybody or anything like that. And he said, Andrew, have you ever told any lies? I said, no. Nah. He goes, oh. <laughs> only little ones. And we know they don't count. And also I said in one of the services, if you cross your fingers while you tell lies, we, that doesn't count either. We know that. Is that the same in Australia? If you cross your fingers? And it's biblical because the cross of Jesus covers your sins. And so if you cross your fingers, God takes away your sins. It's a piece of cake. No brainer. He said, so have you lied? I said, well, yeah, I suppose. And he said, well, how, what are you then? I said, a liar. And he goes, oh, that's, yeah, that's right. And I said, that's not very nice, is it? He said, have you ever stolen anything? I said, sure. I'm trying to help him out. He said, so what are you? I said, a stealer. He goes, no, you're a thief. He says, is this an English lesson now? He said, Andrew, have you committed adultery? I thought I got him. I'm 15. So I haven't even had my first kiss yet. So, you know, like, hello, <laughs> awkward. You know, like, adultery's like having, you know, with a married person. And uh, so like, it's, we've jumped a few steps. Um, I said, no, mate, no, 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 thank you. And, uh, and he said, well, the Bible says, if you look lustfully at a girl, you commit adultery in your heart. Have you done that? And I said, sure. Her and her and her and her, 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 her basically the whole youth group uh, of the female side and you've got to say that these days uh, he said God's holy you're not Andrew and sin separates us from God he said but you can ask God to come into your life and have a relationship with him now listen I've got to be honest friends all my life I knew that God was real not a problem but I just didn't know that you could have a relationship with God that you, that you could walk with God, that he could help you and talk to you and, 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 and figure things out in this journey called life, that this was a revelation to me. And he said, and Andrew, it's even simpler than you think is a prayer. And I was like, no, shut up. Like, you know, I would have thought to become a Christian, at least you'd have to give a million dollars to church or charity or something like that. But to, just to pray and, and, and you weren't going to heaven and now you are? No, no, no. It's got to be more complicated. Maybe you have to pray a thousand hours or, 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 or you know, do acts of kindness to people. But a, a prayer, that a prayer has that much power? How can it be so simple and we make it so hard? I said, let's do it. So by this time, all my unsaved friends had come because I told them about the girls. And in front of everybody, I prayed a prayer and I said, God, today I ask you into my life as my Lord and Savior, I give you my life. Forgive me for any wrongs. Today I choose you. I am a, born again. I am a Christian in Jesus' name. I knew that something had happened for me. I was so excited, so thrilled that this had happened to me. I remember sitting in my friend's Ford Falcon, you know, one of the bench seats where you can fit like 30 people in it. And he said, he turned to me and he says, Andrew, something's happened to you tonight. He said, you became a Christian. And I said, absolutely. And I remember thinking that was a decision in my spirit. It was about... Six weeks later, I think, and I was out with my same group of friends. It was a, a Friday night we had youth and Saturday night we decided that we were going to go to a friend's party. We went to the bottle shop. You had to be 20 years old to, to go to the bottle shop and we decided that we were going to get a case of beer. A case of beer. The night before, let me just rewind, the night before when we were at youth group, 
<laughs> this is the key part. When we were at youth group, the youth pastor said, you know what, because it's kind of like a, a New Year's celebration uh, type moment, that she had prayed and wrote out scriptures on a $1 bill for enough for every person in the room. And you went to the, you went and you pulled out the $1 bill, you know what I mean? Which is pretty exciting. And mine said, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord. He rescued me. He is for me. How can I be afraid? And I loved that verse, Psalm 116, verse 5. When I went home that night, have you ever done it? And you've got your Bible and you've just gone like that? Have you ever done that? And you, and you is it, put your hand up if you've ever done that. <laughs> so I'm talking, to my, I'm talking to my people. And... Uh, and you, go, and you go like that, and I looked down, and it was Psalm 118 verse 5, and I was like, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and I wept on the Friday night. Saturday night, we're going to get beer. Interesting, isn't it? When you're a new youth pastor, it's Friday night, we're like, hallelujah, Saturday night, beer time. We needed, we needed, we had 90, it was $20 for the beer, I think, and we, and we had 19, the, the four of us combined. But I had a $1 bill that was given to me that touched my life, actually. It was not my first word from God, if you know what I mean, that I knew he was speaking to me somehow. And I remember giving it to them, and we brought the beer and we drank it. I went home that night and I fell on my end of my bed and I wept because I knew I'd, I'd done the wrong thing, friends. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's called regret, it's called remorse, it's, I don't know what, it's, it's that awful feeling that you know you shouldn't have but you did and, and there was a consequence, I lost something precious to me. I prayed to the Lord. This is my prayer. I said, God, give me a second chance. Give me a second chance. I'm sorry, Lord. The next day, my mum gave me money to buy a pie and a packet of chips and a drink. Do you remember those days, somebody? Back in the day. It was like, $10 or something like that. I don't even think it was that much. I think it was like $4 for the whole thing. And the change that they gave me 31 years ago was my dollar bill. Here it is. 31 years ago. She handed it to me like this. 12 o'clock at lunchtime. 31 years ago and I remember thinking God you're the God of second chances friend I don't know what you're going through I don't know what you've been through I don't know what how it's happened for you but he gives second chances he wants you to win he wants you to prosper he wants you to be blessed Six months later, I wonder if the worship team could join me. Six months later, the leukemia came back, actually, into my life. When I became a Christian, I thought only good things would happen for us. That somehow the moon would just be moony and the sun would be sunnier, the grass would just spring up. And 
girls would just fall at your feet. <laughs> I was kind of shocked that I was sick again. And the, sh- the short story was that when the doctors diagnosed me to be terminal two years later, my Catholic priest, on my parents' request, came and gave me my last rites, preparing me for burial. Who knows, that's a darn bad day. That's a bad day. But I was so glad and so happy to see my youth pastors came in. They were holding a big Bible like four hours later after that moment. And I was so sick, you could see every rib on my body. I couldn't stand to go to the bathroom or anything like that. With one hand, you could put my whole hand around my leg. I was so, so, so thin. And so I really, really was dying. And they came in with a big Bible and a smile and said, Andrew, we believe we've got a different report. We believe that God can heal you. And I was thinking to myself, you know, like, man, that's amazing. But that wasn't real to me yet. I'd fought for five years in and out of hospital with radiotherapy, chemotherapy, bone marrow transplant. It's been a big journey. Do you know what I mean? And now he's saying in this 11th hour, God can heal you. It was within my rights, I think, to, 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 to have an attitude perhaps with them and say, why are you getting my hopes up now? Like, just leave me alone and let me die. <laughs> let me just die. So I didn't really have a lot of faith. So where was the miracle for me? Maybe the miracle was that even in my unbelief, the very fact that I allowed them to pray for me was enough faith, a seed perhaps, a sniff, a whiff of faith, that God says, you know what, I'll just take that, Andrew. And their prayer, I'm telling you, their prayer was powerful. But what was exciting for me was the very next hour, because every hour I was having blood tests. The very next hour, the doctor came back into my room, and I remember him saying, Andrew, something's changed. And my blood blood work turned around and from then on became the process and beginning of my restoration you see friend if you're talking about healing I don't think that God's going to heal people I know he's going to heal people because God's healed me and it's a different kind of faith it's a cheekiness and knowing a belief and now that we've been journeying this for the last 10 years seeing people um, being healed and prayed for and stuff like that i We've had over 54 people walk out of wheelchairs who have come back in the last 10 years. Like 54 people walking out of wheelchairs. Shut up. That's amazing. I feel excited about that. It's unbelievable. I think we had 108 people who have written into our ministry saying that uh, we're we're terminal and now now they're, they're not dying, which is pretty great. You know, I, I was at Hillsong, uh, London. It's a big church, like 19,000, uh, not London, South Africa. It's a big church, 19,000 people. And I'd just spoken five services in a row, which is a lot, a lot. You know what I mean? And, 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 and Pastor Phil Dooley's doing, receiving the offering for me. And I, I just walked down. And there's a person in a wheelchair. I wasn't sure if somebody had prayed for her or not. So I leaned down and said, hey, are you okay? Did anybody pray for you? She said, no. I said, let me pray for you quickly. So I'm, I'm praying for her. And I just stopped and said, sweetheart, when's the last time you walked? She said, 22 years ago. I said, okay, we'll, we'll pray a bit more. And so we're praying, just praying, 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 praying. And she said, I can, 
I feel something funny in my legs. I said, when's the last time you felt something in your legs? She said, 22 years ago. I said, well, that's good. Let's keep on praying. And so I'm trying not to interrupt the, you know, what's happening up the front, but I'm getting starting to get excited. And she said, Pastor, I can feel my legs. And she said, I would like to stand. And I like it when people say that stuff. Because I said, yeah, well, let's go. Amen. And so she stands, you know, with people walking. And now she's walking. Nobody is paying attention to the pastor on the front. Everybody's looking at the lady walking. You know what I'm talking about? So she's walking. Phil says to me, what's happening? I said, I'm not sure. So he comes down and says, what's happening? She said, I had a car accident 22 years ago. Can't stand, never stood. But here I am standing. She wasn't running. It was a little bit rusty, but she is still standing and walking. Her, her, her friend, her friend who brought her to church, well, was asked to bring her to church as a Muslim, never been to a church service, but it's her care her. She is taking her to the bath, she's taking her to the toilet, fed her, done everything for her. First time in church, she comes up and says, can I talk? Phil goes, all right. She said, I don't believe in Jesus until now. Because she said, I've bathed her for the last three years and I know she can't do what she's doing right now. I'm becoming a Christian tonight. Come on, you better shout a bit better than that because I'm telling you right now, this is amazing. This is amazing. How good is God? The question I've got for you, friend, is why not you? People say to me, Andrew, I really want a miracle. Well, let me introduce you to the miracle worker. He's got a name, friend. His name's Jesus. And you know what? I, I say to this people all the time. Open your heart to him. Like I did as a young boy at 13 years old, perhaps not fully knowing or understanding the enormity of that prayer in the hospital room, but God sees everything. And so... I say to people, like, honestly, when's the last time you're honest with your soul, with your life? When you look in the mirror and ask the question, how's it going? You know, what, what's the mirror saying to you? Not so great. Because that's kind of what happens when you're not walking with God, honestly. But when you pray that prayer, when you open your heart to God, He can come in and everything begins to change. So in a moment, this is what I'd like to do before we pray for miracles.